All right. So uh, I think it's been a number of summers now together that um, Jill and I will always do a talk in the summer. And usually it's just people like to hear uh, from my wife more than me is really what I, why we do this, I think. Um, and usually we try to take a, a talk about a family topic. And so we just thought this year, um, this summer, it'd be good to just have a focus on marriage. And, um, but I first want to say, those of you that aren't married, um, I hope you won't begin to tune us out because I think there's some good principles as we look at these seasons of marriage that you can apply uh, if you are ever thinking about getting married in a dating relationship um, or at all, that you have an opportunity to grab something here and hold on to. And, and even if you're, I guess, at a stage where you feel like uh, you know, you've lost your spouse or you've been divorced and you say, I'm never going to get married again, I think there's a lot of wisdom at your age to be able to learn some things and help people in their marriages and so forth. So I hope this um, will be helpful in that. Um, because I, and also, let me just speak a little bit to singles. Because a lot of times in our society, and especially, and it even gets into our churches where you feel like, um, you know, you're not really successful or you're really, ought to, one of your goals ought to be to be married. And, and I think one of the things you have to understand is we know a number of people now in our age group in the 50s and the 60s that have stayed single. And, and it's amazing to see how God is using them. And you can see a real calling on their life as a single person. And it's usually somebody that, you know, we have, we have a number of friends that um, have a special calling. And just like, you know, Paul says, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 7 about, if you could stay single like I am, I would want you to do that. Because these people we know have an amazing generosity of their time, uh, generosity of their resources. A lot of them are very heavily involved in missions and things like that, that they're giving and giving and giving. So um, just to speak to you as a single person that I know a lot of times in our culture, and I'm afraid to say in our churches, it feels like you need to be married. You need to, quote, live the American dream, get married, have kids, and so forth. And some people, God just, that's not the calling on it. So we want to talk today a little bit about a book that Gary Chapman, if you know Gary Chapman, he wrote the book, um, The Five Love Languages, which is very popular. But he also wrote a book years ago related to um, the four seasons of marriage and just talking a little bit about those four seasons. And whether you're in a season of winter, a season of spring, a season of summer, or a season of fall. And so, you know, I think one thing we can realize is you know, life is full of a lot of unanticipated changes. And your only choice as a married couple is how you're going to respond to those changes. Changes can be anywhere from, you know, the birth of a child, um, you know, getting married, you know, the death of a loved one, caring for loved ones, um, you know, infidelity in your marriage, you know, different things that losing a job, the financial ups and downs that happen in your, in your married life. Um, So, you know, we're going to share a lot of the situations we've gone through. We've been married now 33 years, and and we'll share the different seasons that we've been involved in today. But, you know, all those unexpected changes demand a response in your marriage. And if we respond well, in harmony with our spouse, we can keep our marriage in the spring or summer season. But, you know, if we don't respond well as a couple, 
you can really start feeling the chill of the autumn and, you know, really be thrust into kind of an icy winter season. So the bottom line is winter, spring, summer, fall, every marriage goes through them all. You like that? It's easy to say, right? So every season is accompanied by certain emotions, attitudes, and actions. And so we'll go through that with each of the seasons. And um, sometimes, uh, first of all, this is not a scientific thing. It's just a tool to use in your marriage or in a significant relationship, perhaps, that you are in. But I can remember a story several years ago of a woman that went out to her mailbox And she knew that she and her husband weren't necessarily doing great, but she opened the mailbox and uh, there were divorce papers in there. And so that was a shock. So that's something that none of us want to have that happen to us because we didn't know what was going on in our marriage. So this is a really good tool. And I think as we go through these seasons, and then we're going to talk about seven strategies to kind of keep you in a spring or summer season as a married couple um, you know, I think it'll be, we're going to look at a lot of scripture. It's funny in scripture, um, you know, there's so many good scriptures related to the one another that we should do. A lot of times we apply it to church. We apply it to our life group. We apply it everywhere in our life. But the most important relationship to apply these scriptures to is in our marriages. And so we're going to look at a lot of scriptures going through that and, and help say, hey, if you're in this season, how do you, you know, if you're in a fall or winter season, how do you, um, does God's word help you get into those uh, spring and summer seasons? So let's talk first about winter. And I don't know about you, um, but um, we've lived here now 26 years, but we both grew up on the East Coast and lived uh, in Pennsylvania, New Jersey. And I'll never forget, I think the, sum, the winter before we moved here, I think we set a record, and we're in south central Pennsylvania, it wasn't a, a blizzard area, but we had like 50 inches of snow that winter before. And I don't know about you, but I just got tired of shoveling snow and being cold and your, your, you know, your hands and your feet just freezing off. And so, and you think of that winter season, and how you, you're so looking forward to getting out of it. And even people, there was a couple in our uh, first service that said they lived in Alaska. If you've ever been to Alaska in the winter, there's like 20 hours of darkness and four hours of light. And you hear a lot about, I think um, there's a statistic that says the most suicides happen in Alaska in that winter time because of the depression, the, the darkness of it. So you can kind of see that season of your marriage is really a, a wintry time. So we're going to share a little bit about winter So with our own personal lives. Um, so we've been married for 33 years, and we've known each other for 37 years. So we've had a few winners in our life. And actually, I think our worst winner was our first year of marriage um, because I moved from South Jersey to Pennsylvania, and I, I couldn't find a job there. I was a teacher, and there were no jobs at the moment, so I was substituting when I could, when they would have an opening. And I didn't have any close friends, and my family didn't live there. And someone approached me one day about um, selling Mary Kay cosmetics. Well, I lived in Amish country and Mennonite country. So I didn't do a very good job selling Mary Kay. Dave told me I was never allowed to sell anything ever again. So that, it just, I was very depressed and it was a really hard time. Dave worked a lot. He was an accountant and um, 
so he was working a ton of hours and playing basketball and baseball. And so it was just a really hard time. So now we're going to go through these emotions um, that happen. And so there's hurt and anger and loneliness and you feel rejected. I felt all these things. My attitude was negative and I felt a little hopeless, like, oh no, I don't know if this is going to last. My actions were, you know, I sometimes didn't talk to Dave. I was sad. I was crying. I wasn't violent though. But sometimes we know that is the season where it can get like that. It can get that way. But, and then climate of the relationship was detached and I, I felt cold and detached and it was like being married and living in two separate igloos. But, but there is some positives of being in the winter if you recognize it. You know, I had, you know, I, I got married and just assumed she would just, you know, fit, fit into my life. And, and I had to get to a point where I had to make some changes. I mean, there were time, there, this was a time I needed to make a change. I, you know, I was playing baseball three nights a week and tournaments on the weekend uh, away from her. I thought she would just be like the other baseball wives and just sit in the 90-degree heat and would just watch the whole time. Well, I, I, had to come, I had to come to Jesus' time because it really was a, a wintry time in our relationship. And if I wanted our marriage to last, I had to make some changes. So, you know, playing baseball was great, but I'm 25, well, I'm 26 years old. I, I'm not making the major leagues. I mean, let's get real. So, um, so there were some things. I quit playing baseball. I had to watch how much time I was out you know, and just like, you know, and focus on my marriage. So sometimes these winter moments can be really good because it does is a wake up call and you've got to get help and just realize some things to make some good changes in your life. So even during the winter time, sometimes it's actually good because it draws you closer. And like Dave said, through that time, it, we started reading books on marriage. We joined a really great small group at our church. We got really connected. And so it ended up thrusting us into spring. Um, and I also had, um, a, this is a circumstances one. That one was um, sort of the way we were treating each other or whatever. But a circumstantial one was something that can just happen. And I had a miscarriage at 20 weeks, which was terrible. It was a winter time. But at the same time, it was a positive winter time in the sense of we bonded together, we cried together, we were sad together. And so it thrusted us then into springtime because of going through something hard together. And you see, um, like uh, Solomon made, you know, makes this comment in the Song of Sol- Solomon talking about his relationship with his wife. And my beloved responded, but he, told, but he talks about, for behold, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers have already appeared in the land, and the time has arrived for pruning the vines, and the voice of the turtle dove has been heard in our land. So that whole transition Solomon talks about, don't stay in that winter. I mean, get transitioned into that springtime. And I don't know about you, but as you look at the season of spring, but I really love the springtime, you know, and things are starting to bud and the trees are budding here. It's my favorite time here in Texas um, without the heat. So it's just so nice. And I remember growing up, I grew up and my family had a big garden and you start planting seeds and and getting, you know, corn and and we would get um, tomatoes and things like that. And you just love that time of year in that spring season season where, where you see things growing. And so when Dave and I first met, we met in the spring actually at uh, our college and it was really 
neat seeing him. He won this um, award called the Most Godly Athlete, and so I wanted to meet him anyway. Plus, he looked really cute in his baseball uniform, yeah. just to admit. You know, yeah, I really he thought he looked that. really cute. <laughs> yeah. But springtime can be a time where you have, you know, new, a new baby, um, maybe a new job that you really, really love, uh, kids that are involved in a lot of sports and things like that, and maybe a fun vacation. Um, and now for us, you know, we have grandkids, so that's really fun too. So some of the um, emotions of spring is, is, is excitement and joy and hope, and your attitude is anticipation, and you're optimistic, and you have gratitude and love and trust. And the actions in your marriage a lot of times are nurturing and you have planning and great communication, and yet you still seek help when you need it. And then the climate of the relationship is, is like spring. There's blooming flowers and you have planted some things and that you're having anticipation for when you start seeing beautiful things grow in your, in your marriage. Yeah, we kind of see, we're, we, when we talk through this, we feel like we're all, we're kind of in that summer stage right now with being an empty nest, but then also, um, you know, having grandkids, you can spoil them and then send them home to the kids. And it's just a good, good time in our life. But there are some, you know, some downside of the spring. You know, I know um, with, um, you know, flowers and your garden growing, there's also a growth of weeds. And uh, I know... Um, I had a nephew that lived with us for a summer uh, or a spring and a summer. And, um, you know, I gave him the job of going out in our front yard and trimming our hedges. Unbeknownst to me, there was poison ivy all through our hedges. And so he gets poison ivy all over his body. And I think that's one thing when you're going through the spring, you have to be careful of the weeds because there will be weeds growing along with the flowers and the, and the crops in your, in your garden. So you just got to be really aware of those weeds and poison ivy and make sure you pull those out and don't let them grow with the garden or you'll start getting into another season. So the next one is summer. So in summer, um, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I really like the summer. Summer's my favorite time of year, um, even though it has been 106 and 100 for about 20 days here. I enjoy it. I love, you know, one thing we noticed when we moved to Texas was how many sunny days we have here versus when we were on the East Coast. Just love that warmth um, and love the, the, you know, the sunny, and it's time to take vacations. Jill and I always try to get away, get to Colorado or Florida, get to the mountains, get to the beach. So it's just really a relaxing story. Um, so actually, I think we're in our summer, mostly right now, in this stage of life that we're in, because it is sort of, you're happy, you're satisfied, you're accomplished, you're connecting. And so most of the time we are in summer right now because we've been married for quite a while and have worked through a lot of these other seasons. And the attitude is trust and commitment to grow and you're relaxed and you overlook petty things, which we don't always do that, but it's very important to do that. And then the actions are communicating and attending seminars and reading books and things like that and growing spiritually together. And so we need to say this um, because it isn't really about... um, just being with your spouse and learning them, but it's really seeking Christ. And we have found that the positives of summer and spring seasons in our marriage are directly correlated with our spiritual lives, the amount of time that we spend with Christ in our alone time, and then together in, uh, with community and serving together. So, 
The climate of the relationship in summer is where you feel relaxed, you feel comfortable sitting on a beach, reading a book, not feeling like you have to talk, but you can talk, that, that kind of feeling. And as it says in Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, that iron sharpens iron. Yeah, and I think um, when you think about that, if you graphically could um, look at when you are in spring and summer and when you are in winter and fall, it has just a definite correlation from your own spiritual walk. And so I know um, for me, when um, I'm spending time with God, when I'm, um, you know, reading in God's word, it definitely correlates with our relationship and how we treat each other. So I can't emphasize, emphasize enough how that does have a bearing on what season um, you're going to be involved in. But I guess, you know, one of the downsides of summer is that you have um, yellow jackets and bees that come around in the summer. And I think you just have to be really careful. We talked about one of the fun times of the season may be having young children. And I remember when we had young kids, um, you get really involved and you're enjoying the time as a family. One thing you got to be really careful of is the yellow jacket that may come up that you put too much emphasis on the kids and not enough emphasis on your relationship. So one thing when we had small children, we put in our budget, you know, childcare and time, you know, childcare money and fun money that we would have date nights. Try to have a date night every week just so we would still focus on our relationship and it wouldn't be so encompassing with the kids. So that was an important thing because that if you get in that phase of your life, it can end up being into a fall winter if you don't put focus on your relationship and keep working at your relationship, even though it's a summer full time. And then the next one is the fall. And, you know, I, I love the fall on the East Coast with the change in colors, but you knew why the leaves were changing is that because, um, you know, eventually those leaves would fall. And I don't know about you, but we had a massive trees in our, in our property in Pennsylvania, and I'd spend the whole fall just raking leaves and, you know, put them in piles. We tried to jump in them to have some fun. But um, then I moved to Texas, and they moved that, you know, fall season or when the leaves would fall, and we have some leaves on the back of our house that just blow into our house and, um, you know, that happens in the November, December time frame. So here we are, the leaves are all falling. They're falling in my pool. They're getting in my, and I'm in the middle of the night, you know, hearing my pool get clogged up. I'm running out with, in my underwear. It's 50 degrees out trying to get all the leaves out of, out of my pool. I wonder what the neighbors think of him. Yeah, hopefully they didn't see anything. So, um, so I would say, you know, you got to be really careful this time because it looks beautiful, but there can be leaves that end up falling and clogging and getting some things in your, in your marriage relationship. So I know for, for us... Well, so sometimes it's like externally you look good. Like in the fall, it looks good, but there's a lot of turmoil and things going on inside, and it can turn into fall. And I know I would say our, one of our fall seasons is when we were raising teenage daughters, and two of them are here. I don't want to point them out, but, um, at, but I mean, I think, you know, I always tell people, um, you know, when you raise teenagers, you're going you're gonna to need to have some help, and we needed to have some help because we had two different opinions sometimes in raising our teenagers related to boundaries that we would set, uh, how we would discipline them, and um, we had to call timeouts, and we got... Um, you know, help from other couples that had gone through that already and said, how do we handle this? We got, that was the time we got counseling in our marriage because we needed to get some, 
some help in how to handle that fall season. So um, it was just, you know, an important time in our lives to, to really work through that and not disconnect. Actually, that's when my, I started coloring my hair then. Yeah. And Dave Teenagers. His was falling out and yeah. I was turning yeah. colors. So, yeah. So that was a rough time too. But um, so in fall, your emotions are fear and sadness and uh, like discouragement. Maybe you're feeling unappreciated. Your attitude is concern and uncertainty and maybe blaming the other spouse. Um, your actions are feeling like maybe you feel neglected or you're going to neglect your spouse. Failure to face your issues, which sometimes that's how we were. And then the climate of the relationship was these falling leaves are coming everywhere and you're afraid because you're afraid winter's going to come. And so you disengage. But I guess one of the positives of the fall is not to catch it that you know you're in a fall season and catch it before it could get into a winter season. And that's what I think is most important when you feel yourself in that fall, not letting it get to a point. And you need help. Many times you'll need help in that season. Okay, so now that we've gone through all these seasons, we're going to look at the strategies that Dr. Chapman talked about, having seven strategies in your marriage to help you to stay in... um, spring and in summer. So the first one is to deal with your past failures. And actually, I think that this one is the hardest one to deal with. And um, it's having honesty in your relationship. And um, I think it's really, really important to think about this one for yourself. Because I think a lot of times we look at our spouse and we see the speck in their eye and we, or we don't see this speck in their eye. We see it, uh, we think it's a log in theirs, but actually there's a log in our own eye. And so I'm going to go back now to our dating relationship. So we had a big winter in our dating relationship that Dave was really sweet to put up with uh, for a little bit, but identifying the failure. So what happened was I'm going to go back to college now after college, Um, we met our senior year, I came home and I had an old boyfriend at home and I sort of got confused for a while and I dated both guys, not a good idea. And it blew up in my face, but fortunately I had family that stood around me. It was really hard, but they stood around me and confronted me with my failure because I obviously didn't see the log in my own eye. So then I came down to Texas, got a little counseling, and it was really good for me. And God revealed so many great things to me, and I confessed it, and I repented, which means you turn from it. And so that's what these scriptures are all about. The Matthew 7 verse talks about the speck in your own eye and the log, uh, or the speck in the other person's eye, and we have the log. And then confessing, as it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God is a God of grace. He forgives us. And then he says to repent. And so like what I did was I wrote down all the things I needed to confess and to repent. And I did it to God, who is my healer. God is our healer. But then I confessed it to Dave and he took me back later. We got engaged and then we got married again. But that was really, really a hard time. And Luke 17, three talks about forgiveness as well. And then to keep on moving on. So I'm a firm believer. Once you have confessed your sin and repented of it, move on in your relationship. Let God do the healing that needs to happen, but then just move on. Um, don't keep a record of wrongs. Uh, don't keep that in the back of your mind to, to mess people up with. And Gary Chapman talks about 
he even suggests that if you have adult kids and you're someone that doesn't like to discuss your own log in your eye, to even ask them, say, do you like, do you think that I treat dad okay? Um, or even friends, really close friends that are around you to be, you know, teachable and say, do you think that I treat my spouse right? And stuff like that. So he suggests doing that. And our daughter, Abby and Mickey, they're in a life group in their church in Plano. And it's, it's been really good. She said that they are very, very open and honest and accountable. The men go out, the ladies go out, and it's really been helpful to have those other godly voices in their world. So I think, you know, that first strategy is so important to identify it and talk through it. And, and so important when you're going through that, especially that winter season and, and so forth. So the second uh, strategy is choose a winning attitude. And, you know, you talk about you know, going through winter seasons and, and getting out of that. I mean, you've got to be at a point where you know that God can heal your marriage and heal you and get you into another season. And I think, you know, there's a statement that says circumstances are neutral, but your attitude makes a difference. And a lot of times that attitude comes through the words that you speak and how you respond to your spouse. And so that positive attitude, what's, you know, this is a very familiar verse in Proverbs where it talks about your tongue can provide both, you know, both power and death and life. And so how you manage your tongue and how you manage your words is so important in, in conveying a positive attitude that we can get through this. We can if we keep working at it. And I think that's what's so important in a marriage, that you have that winning attitude toward it. We saw it last week when we talked about David and looked at all his psalms and looked how he started a psalm out and saying, why, God, am I going through this? How long do I got to go through this? And then you could see his attitude change to related, but I trust you. I trust your loving kindness, and I know you're going to deliver me like you've delivered before. And so I think having that attitude, no matter if you're in that winter season, that you can get through it. Okay, so strategy number three is learn to speak your spouse's love language, which maybe a lot of you guys are familiar with. And this guy, Dr. Gary Chapman, he wrote that book many, many years ago. And those five love languages are words of affirmation, acts of service, um, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. And that's probably one of the biggest things as a young married man I had to learn was what I thought I knew her, but what really was her love language? Because my love language was acts of service. And so I expected, you know, Jill to also want that. So I would, you know, I'd try to help around the house and I would, you know, help with the dishes and I'd vacuum the floors. And I just thought that was feeding life into her when actually her real love language is quality time. So I had to kind of rearrange to understand if that's what feeds her and that's what gives her love, then I've got to change some things in my life. And it was the biggest change I had to make is turn off the ESPN and the remote and give her face-to-face time, you know? And Actually, was, now, I think my love language is acts of service. Yeah, well, that's a problem. That's a problem because then we're going to have to call Joe Handyman because that ain't happening, you know? So, But I just think, you know, that was really important. And, you know, you read all through scripture. Um, but you know, you go to any wedding and you're going to hear probably verses from first Corinthians 13 is having that attitude of selfless love. And you can, you hear this phrase all the time. Well, that's just the way I was brought up or that's just the way I am. Well, you know, first Corinthians 13 talks about so much as being selfless and putting 
your, your spouse's needs ahead of your own and understanding what she needs. If you're going to make your marriage work and you want to stay out of that fall and winter seasons, you've got to prioritize that and make that important in it. So then strategy number four is to develop the power of empathetic listening. So to listen to understand rather to, than to make a point. And I think all of us could need help with that, right? So several years ago, Dave and I were counseling a couple, and we were meeting with them a lot. And it was so interesting because every time we got together, it was just we, we learned that they didn't really listen to each other. So this one time, we asked uh, the lady in the relationship, we said, so what do you need from your husband? And she said, I need him to love me and to do things around the house for me. So then we turned to him and we said, so what do you think she just said? And he said, oh, she wants to divorce me. She hates me. And we were like, no, I don't think she said that. And then we did the same thing to him. We said, what do you um, need from her? And he said, I need her respect and I need a clean house. And then we asked her what he had said. And she said, oh, he says he can't stand me. I'm the worst housekeeper in the world. And we were like, no, he didn't say that. And it was constantly like that. They didn't really listen. So I think that that's something um, that we can all, you know, take a, a point to listen to that. So it says in James 1.19, be slow to speak and quick to hear. And St. Francis of Assisi, that old quote that says, I divine, O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be understood as to understand. And then the next one is strategy number five is to discover the joy of helping your spouse succeed. So this is another one that I think is very, very important. So when we were in college and we first met, I had to pay people to type my papers. I never took typing. So I saved a lot of money when I started dating him. He started typing my papers. So that's why. Yeah, well, okay. he, he looked cute in the baseball uniform too, yeah. remember? So he typed my papers, but then I was an elementary ed major, so I helped him with his youth projects, which was his minor. And so, um, and he still helps me type. He typed my piano program for my recital the other night. So, I mean, he's still helping me, which is great. But we had this other couple back in Pennsylvania that were friends of ours that we were counseling, and their relationship was very competitive. It wasn't to help the other person. It was constantly competing. And I'm not talking about like, oh, let's go on a diet together. Whoever wins, you know, loses the most weight gets a new outfit. It's not that. It's more of where it was constantly competitive. And so... Dr. Chapman talks about in his book to ask your spouse three questions. One, what can I do to help you? Secondly, how can I make life easier for you? And then thirdly, how can I be a better spouse? And it says in Romans 15, 5, it says, God has given us perseverance and encouragement so that we should give that to one another and especially our spouse, right? So expressing respect to your spouse, and then I think also talking about them respectfully to other people is really a life, a life builder, too. And then the other thing he talks about is the strategy of maximizing your differences. And that's one thing I think as we got married, I mean, Jill and I are pretty different. I mean, I'm pretty administrative. I got my tasks to do. I want to get through them. Well, Jill's um, the sensitive, uh, mercy-showing type person. And so... Um, you can look at those differences and it kind of can be a rub sometimes to relate to say, I think we can get through this and get this meeting done in an hour. And she's 
got two or three hours, she's talking, and I'm like, oh, come on, can, let's get over this. But, you know, what, what you find out is you appreciate the differences. Like, I appreciate Jill's differences, and she's brought me to a place where we, you know, she makes me more sensitive and willing to, to work with, especially people and in ministry, a lot better than that. And hopefully, you know, I've helped her get some things done once in a while. So it's just, but, but you don't realize that because you think those differences, you know, are really bad. But you have to look at it from a positive standpoint. And Jill's brought me a long way in just my relational aspect with people. You know? Well, you don't want to be married to yourself. So we're different. And I think it's good to sit with your spouse or your significant other and talk about your differences. So I'm a talker. He's quieter. He makes things happen. I read about things happening. He's a channel surfer. I like to stay on and watch the commercials. Um, he likes chips and ice cream at night. I would rather have a chocolate chip cookie and a piece of cake. You know, so we're all, we're all very different. Um, I can remember early on in our marriage, I used to drive Dave crazy with our dishwasher because I would be putting dishes in and he'd say, Jill, put it here. And he just would get irritated with the way I st- stacked our dishwasher. But what was great is now he just doesn't say anything. He, he watches me stick it in there and he just moves it. He doesn't say anything. So it gets better. Slow to speak. Yes, yeah, slow to slow speak. Slow to anger. And that's what I need. So um, the other thing is, is we had a neighbor a few years back. We weren't really good friends with her, but she knew that we worked here at the church. So I think she felt like she could talk to us, which was great. It's a great opportunity to share Christ and what he's doing in our lives. So she came over this one day crying and said, can I come in and talk to you all? And we said, sure, come on in. So she's bawling and saying, my husband just doesn't respect me. And so um, I said, well, what's going on? Why don't you feel respected? And she said, every time he borrows my car, he puts a soda can in my cup holder. And then when he gets out of my car, he never takes it with him. And she's bawling hysterically. Well, he starts laughing. No, I, I covered my mouth though. Obviously. And I was like, you shouldn't laugh. But then he goes on to say, you should go out to our garage right now and take a look at my wife's car. There are about 30 empty water bottles all over the place. And they're in my car, too. So, I mean, those petty things to get rid of. And honestly, I have gotten better. I might have two or three in my car right now, but I'm better. Yeah. So you got to help each other with your differences instead of being angry about it. But when you saw that one thing related in the summer and the attitude, the climate you're in, is a relaxing climate. And I know for, for us, as we have to watch as we get older... You can let little, small, petty things really grow into something big. And, and we've counseled couples before, and, we're, and we said, well, let's get back to the real root of how this started. And you'll, it's amazing to see how sometimes it was such a small, petty thing that you just let rise. And you got to just like, in the big scheme of life, a couple of water bottles in a van is not a big deal. You know what I mean? And the big important thing is us to keep communicating, keep talking through what's going on in our lives and not let it get us into a a fall or winter season. And then the last one is um, implement the power of positive influence. You know, he makes a statement in this book about you can't change your spouse, but we can positively or negatively influence them by how we serve each other. And especially like we talked in how the words we use and just being a, a positive influence and being able to speak into one another's lives. And it just brings unity to us. And having that influence is kind of um, 
funny last night we were talking to my parents and and um, we were talking about you know we we're going to speak today on marriage and and uh, so they've been married 66 years and so have my parents 66 years yeah so um, but we were talking to them last night and we said hey do you have any um, good things to say or how you've yeah and they've any gone, advice any advice yeah advice and um, you know they've gone through a lot of health issues lately so from a health standpoint they're in winter right now. Um, but from a marriage standpoint, you know, I look at it, they're in a pretty good summer season. And my mom makes this, makes a statement about how do you do, you know, keep in that summer season. And right now they live, they're in the same bedroom, but they have to sleep in separate beds. And my mom just makes a statement about, um, what'd she say? She said, um, yeah, uh, I just appreciate, you know, he still tucks me into bed every night and gives me a kiss. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, it's just that... I turned to him last night and I said, let's start that. (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't know if that's going to happen there, but... But it's just that whole idea, again, of selfless living, of being positive and so forth, and making your... Your, your marriage stay in that spring and summer season as long as you can. Because, you know, this verse talking about um, in Ephesians 4.29 about, you know, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word it is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. And we apply that all over our relationships, but the most important one is in our marriages. I mean, how much do you tear your spouse down with the words or do you really edify them and bring them up and encourage them? And how important that is in our lives to be able to just, you know, edify and encourage our spouses. And we talk about, you know, one of the things we try to do as much as we can is that whole bringing us together from a positivity is starting our day praying together. And it's one of the things, if you've taken dynamic marriage here, is one of the things they promote you to do is starting that habit of saying, hey, what's your day look like? What are you stressed about? And let's pray about it before we go out the door. So little things like that just bond you together. Plus it just keeps you saying we can get through anything if we spiritually are together in it. So it's just something like that being able to do. And he just talks about positive choices lead to positive actions that result in positive feelings. So again, how you, no matter what you're going through, and if you feel like you're in a fall or winter season, not giving up and being able to work through things so you can get back into that spring or summertime. Okay, so bottom line again, winter, spring, summer, fall, every marriage goes through them all. So if you're in a winter or a fall season, we're praying that you guys will um, take some of the things that we said today in our talk, and we'd love to pray with you up here. We'll have some people at the prayer corners if you'd like to just pray with somebody um, about your relationship or your marriage. And that's one thing we would encourage you to do today is before, before you go to bed tonight, have a frank discussion with your spouse or the person you're dating with and kind of ask them, what do you think, where do you, what season do you think we're in right now? Um, and even Gary Chapman in this book, I think we have a QR code. You can actually take a, a marriage indicator uh, and find out what season based upon some questions. And so it's good to do that and make sure you feel like, again, you're in the same season. The problem is, is one of you says, I think we're in a summer season. The other one says, I think we're in winter. Well, then you're in winter. You're in winter. Because you don't want to, again, walk to your mailbox and find something that you got divorce papers there because you had no idea what was going on. So we And this little test takes like two minutes to take. It's not very, it's not, it's just a word that you'll go through. It's pretty easy. So So I just want to encourage you, spend, before the day is done, spend some time with your spouse and say, where do you think we are right now? 
And if you feel like, hey, that's when you got to get help. You need, um, especially other godly couples, your life group, you need uh, and sometimes professional counseling to get you through those uh, fall and winter times just so you can get back into the spring and the summer. So we just wanted to kind of close today by just having a time where um, Jill's going to pray for the ladies. Um, I'm going to pray for the guys and just pray for you that, again, you'll uh, be seeking the Lord and be, have some good discussions about what season you're in and just pray for you. So Jill's going to pray for the ladies. Okay, let's bow our heads, ladies. Dear Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for our spouses, God, that you've given them to us as a gift. I pray for anyone here today who has a hardened heart towards their spouse, Lord. I ask that you open it up and that we um, seek you because you tell us when we seek you, we will find you, Father. I pray if there's um, anyone in the winter or fall season that they will talk about it and that they will seek help with that, Lord. And I, I pray for all the great marriages, Father, and seasons that are going well, that people won't keep that to themselves, that they will help other people because you love us to do the iron sharpening iron and you love for us to help other people. So I pray for each and every marriage in here, Lord. You tell us that you want us to glorify you in all that we say and do, and marriages definitely can do that, Lord. And we know that that's a blessing to you and your kingdom. And so I pray for all of the ladies here today. In your name we pray, Jesus. And I just, Lord, want to pray for the men in this uh, body right now. Lord, I just pray for them, Lord, that they would be the godly husbands, uh, the godly fathers they're called to be. And, um, Lord, that they'll just drop down, drop barriers from their lives to be able to invest. There's so many things that are uh, in this world to tempt and take men away from their duty to, to be the godly husbands you've called them to be. And I just pray that they would make the right choices, make the right decisions, uh, use some of the strategies we talked about, about making their marriage a priority. Um, and Lord, just step back and watch you bless them for that. And uh, just uh, getting help with it if they need, if they're in that fall, winter season, but they'll, um, the Lord, that they'll be lasting in the spring and summer. And so we just thank you, Lord, that you love us. You never leave us nor forsake us, that you're there for us. And the body of Christ is here to help as well. And I just, again, thank you for our time together as we think about uh, looking at these seasons of marriage and, Lord, again, striving to always be in the spring or the summer. And we just thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.